0: Hello, I'm Simon Burton and welcome to a summer edition of Cambridge Arts Roundup, as the city swings back into its vibrant artistic life with plenty of new and exciting things to sample. In this edition, we look at the tactile art of Rao at her new exhibition at Space 57. His highly complex images allow you not only to penetrate a multifaceted artwork visually and discover its hidden meaning, but it even allows you to touch the painting's human like outer skin and leave on it your DNA purposefully. Why? Well, you'll find out. The gigantic public artwork programme Cows About Cambridge has delighted the city with hundreds of decorated cows and will comment on that some. We visit Motion Sickness Collective at its Petit Curie Art Space and discover the arts community in full swing after years of patient lockdown and talk to the local artists. Primavera gallery manager and local artist Joe Fenwick-Wilson talks about his work and the current art scene in the city and why skateboarding is becoming a major focal point in an arts lifestyle for the adventurous, seeking self-discovery for art through culture. Giant moving dinosaurs have taken the Grand Arcade experience onto a new level, thrilling the kids, and summer at the museum seeks to stimulate them more over the holidays and artists take to the giant new Ferris wheel on Parker's piece to gain some inspiration on high. They say the secret of good wine is the degree of the complexity of its flavour, and the same could be said of paintings in terms of their interests. Making something with many dimensions in it, including clues to a payload of interesting social ideas, has been the aim of Cambridge artist Gertrude Rao, who's even risked using dangerous materials to get the impact she wanted on canvas. She's exhibiting at Art Space 57 using the little-known encaustic technique. The exhibition showcases a collection of important early works referencing race, identity and our genetic code for the internal essence shared by us all. Gertbrun was born in northern India where she studied textile design in Delhi and was a fashion designer with a New York-based company before moving to Paris where she studied French civilization at the Sorbonne and took classes at the École des Beaux Arts. Later, she completed a Masters in Fine Art in the US. Under the Skin investigates at a molecular level the internal essence shared by all beings, the genetic blueprint of humanity. The encaustic method, also known as hot wax painting, helps to create a 3D result hard to capture on film, with the wax both encasing and enhancing the paint underneath, creating dimensionality and luminosity. The oldest surviving in caustic panel paintings are Romano-Egyptian Fayum mummy portraits from around 100 to 300 AD. More recently, the method has been used by celebrated contemporary artists like Jasper Johns. I met up with her and curator Anna Dempster for a tour of the work, which is a story with an interesting twist behind it. So I've just been wandering around Cambridge and I've gradually found my way around to a fantastic art space which I've never been to before. And with me here is artist Gerben Rao and Anna Dempster. And we're looking at some, some work which um, I don't think anyone in Cambridge has seen before, except for perhaps a very long time ago, because you've got some fantastic artwork work here, which um, the beginning of the story, as far as I can see, uh, here at Art Space 57, is that all this work was stolen. What happened? <laughs>
1: This work was with a gallery in London called Opus Gallery. They represented me here many years ago, and they took this entire body of work and showed it in, a, in several of their galleries and art fairs before they ran off to France and closed their gallery down. With uh, you know, with all the art just disappeared and. I was in hallowed company. I had people like Damien Hurst, Mark Quinn and Peter Blake, among others who were represented by the same galleries. Mm. So they disappeared for many years. We couldn't find them. It became police case. And because they were in France, Interpol was involved as well. Eventually the police found the works in a warehouse, abandoned warehouse in the Cotswolds. And the work was released to me many years later and nothing was ever resolved. We couldn't find the owners. That must be an absolutely
0: devastating blow for an artist with work of this standard.
1: It was. In the beginning it was actually quite interesting because we were trying to track it down. So it became like a mystery. But then when the police told me that it was all damaged, that's when my heart broke and I, you know, they were like my babies. It was very sad and traumatic to have to look at them again after all these years. And now they're all
0: here restored in this beautiful gallery. <laughs> you're, you're going to take me through some of these paintings. Now, uh, I think it's important to understand Gertrude Rauer as art is, is um, it's quite sophisticated. You, you do a lot of it from travel memory, don't you? And the, and the effect that patinated um, memories have on the soulful mind and things like that, isn't it?
1: Yes, having lived all over the world, I really feel that we're all interconnected. And so my art is always about this vision of one world, of not, being, not having geographic and political boundaries. And this work is more about how we're all interconnected through our DNA, which is 99.9% the same, no matter where you're from.
0: Hmm. This is very much a journey through how, how you think about life, um, isn't it, really, basically? I mean, um, take us through these, these first few fan um, paintings, because they have symbols on them, on, on top of them. So what, what we're looking at is canvases, which have embedded... Wood. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're on wood, but they're, they're, they have embedded faded images of faces, which come from a lot of different places you've been. And then they have a lot of other things in them, symbols and textures and things like that. So, tell me about what's in these paintings as far as you're concerned.
1: Simon, these are all on maple panel wood okay. and they're based on um, DNA and the different faces that represent different phenotypes as yeah. opposed to genotypes. People of all different nationalities uh, are collaged onto the onto the wood in the form of X-rays. I've converted them into X-rays. Now, what
0: is a phenotype, just for someone who has never heard that word a before? A
1: phenotype refers to our physical appearance rather than our genetic mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, similarities. Mm-hmm. So, and they're all about DNA knots because mm. knots to me are a metaphor for the way we we all interconnected. And I love knot formations. And the DNA that goes into these knots is actually Uh, exact replicas of mathematical knots and that was very fascinating to me. So I have pigment on top of the collaged x-rays and then I have used this medium called encaustic which dates back to the 5th century BC.
0: Now now that's interesting because um, using old methods is a a very interesting way of um, developing art from the past and. using those methods to do interesting things in the future it's something obviously that Bridget Riley did as a famous artist um and it also I mean in many ways what your art does is it kind of says that I mean as far as I can understand the DNA is the essence of the reality of life basically isn't it and we're all made of it and so in that sense we're all equal that was the point you made wasn't it exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. The building blocks of our, yeah. our, of our yeah. existence really mm-hmm. yeah. and
1: yeah. Cambridge being the place where DNA was discovered. I think this is very appropriate that Anna Dempster, the curator, approached me to show this work in Cambridge for the first time. Hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, now going over to these, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, these paintings. There's, there's much more in the, I mean, as of, with all of your paintings, there's much more in the actual um, uh, painting than at first meets the eye because they're all so tactile, aren't they?
1: They are, yes. This is one body of work I encourage people to touch because A, you're leaving your trace, your DNA, mm. on the painting, B, they're very tactile because it's this clear encaustic and also, much like human skin, which is what I'm using it to refer to, they glow and shine the more they're buffed, so that's the reason I use encaustic. Because that's
0: quite daring in an art gallery, because I always say you mustn't <laughs> touch it, you mustn't touch it, and in this gallery you say you must actually touch this rather delicate looking artwork. So to, to, in, in many ways that brings it to life, doesn't it? Having a human hand on skin on the outside of a picture that doesn't look as though it's got skin over it at all. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's absolutely um, incredible. So, What was the the, the technique you used in order to encapsulate the images of the faces that underlie the art? Because those are people you've met or encountered, aren't they?
1: Yes, they were were actually photographs I took of people. Mm -hmm. And um, I converted them to look like medical x-rays on the computer, of course, because this is all about science Mm. and how we're all interconnected and of course the the encaustic on top is referring to binding membranes in human skin so Uh, it
0: seems to me that a lot of artists in cambridge are are using things like aerial uh, satellite photography x-ray and things like that because there's basically no rules to how you do your art at all anymore are there you can do absolutely anything i mean there are artists doing things like tracing art from molecular biology under microscopes and then turning that into artwork. So, I mean, where do these ideas for new techniques generally come to you? Um,
1: well, for me, this is this is quite old. I did this about 15 years ago, mm-hmm. but yes, there's amazing, there's amazing stuff that happens mm-hmm. in science. If you look through microscopes and see, there's absolutely beautiful art that people are creating at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I did this a long time ago, and I do feel that um, there's really no limit to what you can do these days with, with all our new you know, um, ways of photography and drones and stuff.
0: I, I mean, using that technique, you, you also put in these... I mean, Indian colours are something that feature a lot in... Your sense of colour f- from India features a lot in, in terms of the brightness that you employ. I mean, we've got um, beautiful deep blue um, uh, um, images here which come from the X-ray. And they're coloured in blue, so you get the outline of the face. But then you get this bright um, outer layer on it that sets it off completely. And that's something you've always had a flair for, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, thank (laughs) you, Simon.
1: But uh, most of this work is actually quite monochromatic. Mm -hmm. It's black, white, and red. The red is to symbolise blood, Mm. because that's what I'm talking about. Mm. And the blue is a reference to the blueprint of humanity, which DNA is. That's the only colour that I've gone into, apart from the black and white background. So I have blue because I'm talking about the blueprint.
0: And obviously that's interesting, the blueprint for humanity, because I'm looking at humanity as, as being infinite variety. And that's a key point in your work, isn't it? The whole idea of what race really means.
1: Exactly. And I, have, you, I, I know that all of us are so interconnected, no matter where we're from. And for me, that's a huge thing. My work's always been about the oneness of humanity and one world. So that's what this is. And then I also have uh, put embedded eggshells in some of the pieces where I'm talking about what came first, the chicken or the egg. I mean, that's again going harking back to DNA and our origins of our blueprint. I've got little squiggles of DNA knots on there so the DNA knots for me are a metaphor for binding and connecting
0: all of us. Mm. So I mean you, you think about these, these artworks quite a lot before you put them together don't you? I mean you, you, you just basically you come up with your conceptual framework and then you go into your, um, your uh, set of um, mental images and things like that and then you you, you create them and then you set them off. It seems to me quite a, a long process to come up with the actual paintings, which have so much in them. Because I mean, obviously, interesting art is always like that. There's masses in the, in the work. You know, if you see. So how long does that take you to to, to come up with a big painting? It just like that?
1: depends. This this one, I actually did a lot of research because mm-hmm. it was a very scientific, and I'm not a scientist. I went to laboratories mm-hmm. and looked into microscopes and looked under things to to look at DNA and how it looked in you know in test tubes and things and it was fascinating to me. So this work is very different in that sense and it took a long time to do this entire
2: body of work. Mm. Now,
0: you created you curated this exhibition. Um, what went into it from your side?
2: Well, I, for me, I felt like it was a body of work that people needed to see and was very, very relevant today. So there's a lot of um, underlying themes and stories that are interwoven in the exhibition, but they are incredibly topical and timely. There's the story of, you know, race and equality. Um, there's the story of what connects us, what binds us, which is what Bunny, you know, spends a lot of time talking about. And, um, and I felt that the, the fact that the works are so tactile and you interact with them is something that we need to come back to after a period where we haven't been able to interact with people, let alone art. And we were very keen to open the exhibition as soon as we could, so people could actually have the opportunity to look at the works touch the works and even smell the works because they have beeswax and resin in them. They actually fill the room with a, a scent and they, they, you use your senses in order to experience them. So that's why it was an incredibly exciting piece of um, you know, work to exhibit, a body of work to exhibit today.
1: This, this is a
2: four-panel
1: work, which is a polyptic, and it's got the blueprint. And I'm also referencing splicing of the genes. So every second panel has splice... The faces are spliced, overlaid with the DNA knots, and then I've carved out X and Y chromosomes that are travelling across the four panels. Oh, oh
0: right, okay, that's fantastic. So they're very subtle; they, they they're, they're they're engraved into the artwork that um, you wouldn't actually notice that at first, or know what it was, mm-hmm. um, like the symbols. And then and then when once you do know what they are, it kind of ha- it, it, it gradually reveals more and more meaning. Uh, it, that's great.
1: That's absolutely yeah. Great. It can be it can be considered like another language like hieroglyphs as well mm-hmm. some people see hieroglyphs some people see tracks of birds interconnecting them but for me i mean i did them as x y chromosomes but i'm linking all the four panels and then there's there's this depth going back and forth depending on how much encaustic i lay
0: so out. Uh, encaustic has a technique can you basically define it what, what exactly does it mean
1: mm-hmm. encaustic is a mixture of beeswax and dama resin it's mm-hmm. highly toxic to use and um, you have to work with it very fast you melt it at 150 degrees Fahrenheit Mm -hmm. before you lay it on the surface or whatever you're using and it dries immediately on contact with the surface so you've got to work really fast Mm -hmm. and then you've got to layer after layer after layer you fuse with a heat gun Mm -hmm. every layer and so it's it's a beautiful technique it's a beautiful medium, but it's very difficult to work with and toxic. You don't
0: seem to mind working with dangerous materials, (laughs) because you've done that before, haven't you, quite a few times. To get the effect that you want, you're willing to go through all of that to, 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 to get it exactly how you want it. That, that's, that's quite impressive, I must say. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
1: Not anymore, though.
2: I don't work with encaustic anymore because it's damaged my lungs. And just, just to say about this piece, it's another work that really shows how much it's important to experience it firsthand. These works don't actually reproduce very well in the digital form. They, it's very hard to kind of print them on a piece of paper. You actually have to see them. And because the opacity of the encaustic layers changes throughout the The work, the way it catches the light changes, and actually, as the sun outside the gallery sets, you certain elements emerge and you can literally see the piece changing before your eyes and the, the sort of sculpture elements of the whole piece come, coming alive. And people have been come to the, to the exhibition and been surprised to see how the pieces change in front of their eyes as the light changes.
1: These are, are my archipelangles, they are little uh, triangular and different shapes of wood. Uh, which are actually talking about the external collection, uh, mm-hmm. connections of us as human beings uh, as opposed to the internal connections which we talked about before, the molecular. This is more about maps and linking us all together. So what I do is I cut and paste maps differently than they're supposed to be. And I sort of interlade different ways like links linking us together. And this is what that talks about. There's the molecular um, element in them as well. And the spirals that hark back to the beginning of... You know. and,
2: and again, they're, they're very, very three-dimensional, they're very sculptural, so there's a lot mm. of depth in them and the surface changes throughout and you've, you've embedded little unexpected elements that are mysteries and people can interpret for themselves. And I when we hung the show, there was a lot of opportunity for us to play, you know, how to present these works because actually they can be presented in any number of ways. And a person who has them in their home might choose to present them in a completely different way, given their own personality, their own home. And they can be turned and twisted and hmm. put in any direction. There's no upside down, there's no right side up. Uh,
0: and a mind ma- mind mapping is something that you do use quite a lot, don't you, because you kind of make your own mind maps, don't you? And, and I like the way that you, you make them aesthetic on the front of your um, paintings as well, because there's lots of novels and things on the top and compasses and maps. Um, laid in so it looks a bit like a, some, some kind of a, a mystery to a certain extent. Well that's the idea, yeah. thank you
1: Simon I'm glad you see that. Yes the more you look at them people discover all kinds of things in them because there are many many layers mm-hmm. and so that's fascinating to me as well as the artist to see what everyone else sees mm-hmm. in
0: them. What, what do people do if they want to come and see this exhibition?
2: So if they want to see the exhibition they need to email us at artspace 57 outlook.com. And we can arrange a visit that suits their time.
0: Um, And it's quite nice to actually arrange your own individual visits, isn't it? Because it means you can bring a couple of friends and have the freedom of the gallery to yourself. Absolutely.
2: And we'll be happy to meet them and show them around and show them things that they're particularly interested in talk them through the exhibition and the work.
0: Gareth and Ralph, thank you for a great, really interesting talk. This has been fascinating.
3: Arts Roundup with Simon Burton on Cambridge 105 Radio.
0: Cambridge's natural wandering cow population is part of city life in the meadows and you'll no doubt appreciate how the arts community have responded to that with the gigantic public artworks programme Cows About Cambridge. The ten-week bonanza of astounding sculpture installations across the city have already perked up its sense of a vibrant community doing fun things to engage the public. It's the brainchild of Wild Art director Chris Wilkinson who called for artists around the UK to submit designs that they would like to paint on these life-size fibreglass cow sculptures. The people in charge of the trail of Wild at Art, together with the children's charity Break, the principal partner Cambridge Business Improvement District, bid. Hundreds of artists submitted designs. A number of these designs were shortlisted by Wild Art, then presented to a selection of business sponsors, who chose around 50 from that shortlist to be commi- to be commissioned and painted. The aim of this art trail was to form a fun, free, family-friendly art trail for residents and visitors to follow. Smaller sculptures, adopted and decorated by schools, colleges and community youth groups as part of the learning programme, are also displayed. At the end of the trail, the sculptures will be auctioned off to raise money for local children's charity, Break. Break provides a long-lasting care and support for children and young people. Artist Heloise Toop participated in creating the cows, which she said were really hard work.
3: So we had a, a couple of months to do these, these projects before Christmas, the Christmas deadline, and I had no idea how long it would take me, and it took me a long time. So I was in there pretty much consistently for at least... A month, 100 hours of work in total, mine took.
0: You were saying um, earlier that basically painting in 3D on on something as big as a cow is quite a difficult project, isn't it?
3: It is. It's very different to a flat surface, uh, that's for sure. I I, I knew it would be different, but the actual physical exhaustion of, of bending down and trying to arch over this huge area um, really did take it out of me more than I expected. The
0: question of who the cows in Cambridge belong to often comes up because there are cows all over the place, aren't there? They're on Midsummer Common, they're on the backs, you know, they're in the fields and the fens everywhere. And, and there are some quite beautiful cows in Cambridge because there are lots of different breeds of cows as well. Do you have any good uh, cow stories? Because um, I, I've often heard how people, you know, students have done things like herd cows into people's rooms and locking them in so that when they get home from you know what they've been doing, they've suddenly discovered they've got a cow or, or a sheep in their rooms or or cows that have done strange things. Do you have any cow stories about <laughs> you can tell us?
3: It's a brave person that herds a cow into someone's <laughs> room. The only story I have is that my friend told me that they were so drunk once walking home that they couldn't face going any further and fell asleep against a cow on Midsummer Common which I chastised him for and I'm sure the cow wasn't very impressed but um, um, no harm done. So only that one.
0: I mean, the cows are, are, are worth photographing. I mean, I, I photographed quite a few cows, uh, you know, about, about a summer ago, um, because you have these beautiful kind of orangey brown breed i don't know what kind of cows those are um, i don't know what you call them but they they're lovely aesthetically aren't they as as uh, creatures because they they have this rich red colour um, they they're, they're just uh, they're just things that you'd want to do art about basically not only cows have come out to play but the city artists have come out of lockdown hibernation to be themselves again They enthusiastically packed into Motion Sickness Collective's exhibition stand-up for work at Petit Curie in July and other more recent events. I encountered Art Language Locations artist Robert Good and artist Rosemary Catlin who joined me for a chat on what's happening next in the city and to look at work that focuses on the hinterland between employment and surviving without in the psyche. Here we are at Motion Sickness and their latest collective... um, uh, their latest... Collective art exhibition. Um, I'm here with Robert Good from Art Language Location. Hello, hello. And Rosemary, captain of World Road Local Arts. How
4: are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you.
5: How does it feel for the arts community to finally have come out of their burrows back into the, the limelight? Well, it's fantastic. It's great just to be out and about and to get an art fix. You know, I haven't seen any art for a year or so and just to be back in Cambridge and meeting up with them its a social occasion as well as much as seeing the art and it's just great to be back. What do you think of the narrative here? I mean it seems to be basically about um, the
0: problems of employment and what you do as an artist when you're having those problems.
5: Well, we were, yes, we were discussing the art, and, and um, yes, it seems to be a, around um, autobiographical work, around you know uh, um, the artist's employment and references to local culture and popular culture, and his responses to it. Um, uh, Rosemary, um, what brings you here this evening?
4: Robert. Yeah, <laughs> he gave me a lift. <laughs> So, no, I, w- I would have come anyway. I would have come on foot, but it, it's wonderful to get a lift up here. No, it's just great, very refreshing to be able to get out. Yeah, no, it's wonderful.
0: So. The grace and the good are going to be here later. Now you're preparing some more art for Open Studios at the moment. What's the la- your latest project?
4: Well, the only f- I haven't got many new pieces, um, but they're all autobiographical, and so my new my new one, many new ones are. Which sounds very mundane is actually. Um, my daughter-in-law and a grandchild and a cat sitting on the sofa. So, I mean,
0: what, what impact has what you've seen here this evening had upon you? But, I mean, we've got uh, there's quite an interesting poster over there mm. of a, a greyhound and zooming across um, a race track, yes. um, which looks kind of, sort of partly pop art, but it's also um, it's also part of that culture of when you're down on your luck. And take a take a punt take a better well, i
4: thought before we realized what it, i thought this is some sort of um, fantasy dream world that we're looking at yeah. and um, so it's people's um iconic expectations like the the sunny beach and all that sort of thing uh, so i wasn't completely wrong
0: well, there's another artwork there i don't mm. know whether you can see it of, of the stallion um rallying um, on two feet Is that
5: that something that has connotations for something else you've seen? Or is it the first time you've seen that image? Um, Well, I I haven't seen it. It didn't particularly ring bells, that particular one. But there were definitely pieces here where the iconography is definitely kind of... It reminds you of kind of local culture or just just kind of a low-level subliminal culture that's always in the background. It's always there. And it kind of pops up in your mind without really knowing it. And it's kind of brought to the fore in this exhibition and it, and it makes you think about the stuff that is kind of often overlooked or just kind of in the periphery of your vision, I think.
0: Um, living in a slightly risque way seems to be a theme here, I mean we've got the Playboy Bunny here in one of the images which is turned into a kind of shaded um, uh, painting, but it, it's that kind of side of life that it seems to be going for, which is that... Um, you're, you're a survivor um, in a world that's gone um, completely wrong, basically. That seems to be one of the things. That well,
5: yeah, there's just a, a bit of a, should we say, a bit of a low-level grunge, you know, and uh, that's, that's part of life, isn't it? That's, it's one side of life, and that's the, the, the side that's being just brought to the surface here.
0: What do you make of this installation here, which is a, a large sort of, um, it's a blue-coloured tarpaulin thing on... Um, on a,
5: an x frame with a green mesh on it what do you think that means oh i wouldn't go so far as to, to ascribe meaning but it reminds me or makes me think about um, kind of throwaway things or, or, or the, the the stuff that's discarded in life or the kind of the materials that then they're, they're not high-tech they're not um, expensive it's very it's stuff that's just made or put together out of the things that are found rather than the things that are created expensively uh, uh, what do you know about the motion sickness collective
4: um well i've been to one or two of these openings and i know it's um it's connected to a and ex-students there and um i admire their initiative in, in setting this up and actually creating this space I think. It, it seems to me that
0: this is one of the few art spaces left in cambridge that you can grab
4: Yes, I think it is. I'm, I'm imagining that there might be more quite soon. So I'm hoping that perhaps they can even find a bigger a bigger space than this. So, with a, you know, it's something that will be ongoing very much, though.
0: No. Crystal ball gazing, what do you know about in terms of arts things that are coming up over the summer?
5: Well, this is the, my first taste for a while, and I'm, so I'm actually off the pace in terms of things that are coming up. So I, I'm afraid I can't really recommend too much stuff, but I'm going to be looking out for it. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that places like the Hyong Gallery, uh, Fitzwilliam, and some of the colleges, and, and plus the public art spaces are gonna be coming back, you know, fresh and lively.
0: Robert Gerard, Resby Catlin, thank you very much. Thank you. Artist Matthew Challenger and organizer Ellen Breeze gave me some insight into the exhibition's artwork. Okay, first of all, um, Matthew, tell me about yourself. and um, What's your background?
6: Uh, so, I guess I'm a village boy from Brampton. Study graphic design. And, and never really enjoyed it, so kind of fell into making art, really, as, like a, as a release from the daily grind, I guess, of life.
0: Um, what are you aiming to do with your um, artworks here this evening? What's the narrative?
6: Well, ho- hopefully people just like the work, really, and, um, yeah, just a celebration of things uh, that I enjoy. Um, now, you've got various things there. I mean, I see that you've
0: got um, uh, tremendous pictures of poster-sized pictures of things like greyhounds and rallying stallions and things like that. Um, what, what's the significance of those? What What's
6: the idea it? I don't know if there's a specific purpose, I think things just kind of naturally come out of my work so uh, my sister always loved going to the greyhounds and that's the sign from it and uh, when it closed down I just uh, photographed it and thought I should uh, capture it in a way and the deer, I did a residency just before this one and um, as part of like the payment to use the, the barn I was using I ended up having to bag up 500 venison sausages so kind of like a little highlight to that really uh, did you get to eat them uh yes yeah i got uh, i got a few free packets as well so so yeah it's definitely worth my time
0: um is there a theme running through this to do with artists and employment and um, trying to make things meet uh
6: yes yeah i think there's obviously the show title is uh, stand up for work which was it's a uh, printed on a box of a safety footwear i had to buy for a temporary role that I recently just did, of night shifts. So that's where the idea came from, but yeah, it's more looking into that sort of celebration of like the unpaid labour and I guess, yeah, that sort of trying to make ends meet and be a creative, really.
0: There's a couple of connotations I saw in a couple of pieces, one, one, one of the pieces I had Playboy Bunny um, yeah. in it, and another one, obviously Greyhounds, and this whole idea that you might survive one week by having a flutter, uh, the next week by doing something creative. Now, what do those works with tarpaulins actually mean, what do
6: they signify? So, yeah, so the residency I did that I just mentioned, um, it was on a farm. And so one of my friends, he's a farmer, and another one, he's a plumber. So I kind of wanted to introduce more materials that they might use on a day-to-day basis. So that's where that comes from. And the, uh, the expanding foam, they kind of calls to that. What
0: happens when you work? What do you normally do um, in a working day when you're working on these artworks?
6: Mostly, I just scroll on Instagram, to be honest. I'm a bit of a procrastinator. Okay. What
0: do you hoping the impact will be on people this evening? What do you think they're going to take away from
6: this show? I don't know. To
0: be honest, <laughs> I've not really
6: thought that far ahead. So, yeah, I don't know. So,
0: Ellie, tell me about
6: motion sickness. Um, what, what's happening at the moment?
3: Uh, so, we're just back in the original space. So, we've been in this space, I think we started here in summer of 2019 and then uh, did six months here, six-month program, and then we moved to another unit. Uh, in the line Yard right before lockdown started, so this is the first chance to get up and running again, which is really nice. Um, and yeah, we're just trying to highlight artists that are like emerging that might not get other opportunities to show in Cambridge because there's not too much going on here art-wise.
0: It's great to see the fires being re at the arts community after <laughs> so long in in our boroughs doing mm. nothing, mm-hmm. nobody's been doing anything, and suddenly they're coming out this evening <laughs> to see this great art work. Yeah, um, and, um, and and mixing again. I mean, there are a few things going on in Cambridge things like movie lake seems to be moving forward the thing yeah. that cows about cambridge and yeah uh, and, um, obviously open studios is coming onto yeah. the horizon which should be um, great because people can get out and see stuff um again um, but it's uh, very refreshing to see um, Motion Sickness uh, uh, opening its doors once again.
3: Yeah, it's so nice to be back and we've seen loads of like uh, the old crowd that used to come along to our openings before, so yeah, it feels, it feels really good actually mm-hmm. to be doing something social.
0: Is anything happening? Uh, uh, where, where were you at ARU at some point? Uh,
6: no, I did study at CRC mm-hmm. a long, long time ago, but um, yeah, no, I did my studies up north, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is
0: there anything else you want to say? Okay, that's great. Okay, thanks very much, Eleanor Breeze and Matthew Challenger. Yes, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. As one thing generally leads to another in the art scene, I discovered the interesting world of artist Joe Fenwick Wilson, who's also manager of the city's prestigious Primavera Gallery. Joe was born in 1993 in Rugby, Warwickshire. After many years as an outside artist, he went to study fine art at the prestigious Falmouth University. Where he's lived in different places across England, but is now based in Cambridgeshire, where he has a studio at St Barnabas Press. His paintings and drawings are inspired by the mundaneness of happenings and objects from the day to day. He often uses repetition and likes to push drawing until it becomes as mechanical as writing one's own name. Also inspired by patterns and rituals, Joe's work celebrates the uniqueness and strangeness of the normal. He attempts to create an entrance to his work through the identifiable objects and actions. This allows the viewer to reflect on their own rituals and relationships with the forgettable and yet important things in their lives. Joe, first of all, um, we met very briefly the other night at Motion Sickness um, and Arts Collective. It was great to see the arts community finally come out from their, um, their hibernation for an evening. Um, did you enjoy that event?
7: I found it absolutely awesome. Yeah, I found it absolutely incredible. It kind of felt like um, there was everything was back to normal, you know? And it was nice to have people there that wouldn't necessarily have been there because of the, the way that Motion Sickness, you know, have their events anyone can just walk in off the street which is you know really up my street yeah
0: what did you think of the artwork there um, was that was that something that impressed you as an artist um, doing something completely different
7: I think yeah I was very impressed by the work yeah very impressed very impressed I think um, there was one piece I actually asked the artist about potentially purchasing which is very rare for me because <laughs> I've got no money but um, I found it um, found it quite crude I kind of I got more I got to know more about it by speaking to you about the work you know beneath the breadline. Kind of style. I love the I love the expanding foam. I think it's an awesome medium. I think it's great. And and that the lottery hand is is just incredible. Like the use of that over and over.
0: Okay, so now, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. I gather that you were born in ninety three in Rugby, Warwickshire, and um, spent um, many years as an outside artist and studied at Falmouth University. Um, tell me a little bit about your bio. What kind of things have you been getting up to?
7: Um, I've been all over the place. So I've yeah. Born in rugby and then went to Cornwall for a long time, it was about just under seven years studying, and then um, I went to Liverpool for a year. It was quite hard to get studio space. You know, it's hard to get. It's hard to have a job, pay the rent, and pay for a studio. It's, it's impossible. It's, it's impossible. So I was there for a while. Then we left. We weren't really digging it that much. The, vo- the 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 scene was incredible, but it just it just wasn't for us. We went from sunny Cornwall to kind of slightly grey urban uh, Liverpool. So I think. I have had some you know some work in some shows but a lot of the time i just kind of sell privately to friends and and i'm more about making art than than really showing it you know
0: Uh, i i find your paintings very interesting because you've got things like optical pictures that have sort of slightly illusory things I, i was referring to that one with the car in the middle and things like that what, what what went into that and what was
7: that about? I think the paintings a lot of the time they're like a thousand different paintings before they become a painting and um, I like the idea of drawing things until they kind of become like writing your name you know like you can do it with your eyes closed I I like that like um, symbolism of of mark making Uh, I think there's this thing with like playing with this uh, I think you did you call it like kind of like an optical illusion kind of thing where I like to also give myself rules like I'm not necessarily like a painter who is able to paint beautiful scenes I like painting one thing you know and it goes usually from a drawing then it might turn into some scraffito and then more oil gets layered over it and then the drawing comes back and I like this appearance of things kind of I like ticking boxes so I like going okay so the car that the red is on the left, now it has to move one square to the right, so that the car looks like it's slightly coming off the surface, and and ticking boxes as I go along, making rules it for myself and completing the challenge. You know, it's.
0: Quite... Uh, you, you, I mean, I, I noticed there's was, um, you know, obviously some interesting symbols that you
7: chose there, but you also focus on particular objects. Why do you do that? I think I do that because I have a kind of slight. I'm slightly obsessive, so when I see something that I like, you know, a, a, a car. The thing about a car is like it's a celebration of something that you you first want want to draw when you're a child you want to draw a car or be able to draw a car and that painting we were we were were speaking about is like it's the most simplistic car you know it's just two wheels and and a box and I think that that is like drawing for me is about trying to um you know do, do as little as possible really um uh, you, you
0: choose quite a lot of um things from mundane life and then you make them um colorful and interesting what what is it about the mundane that interests you something that you're concerned with um
7: i think that the mundane mundane is quite a i think that it's you know life is quite mundane you know i think making art is about trying to celebrate the the mundaneness of life the every day the things that you pass you know like sometimes you might see your a reflection of yourself in a puddle and you just walk past it and you don't think anything of it and sometimes you see a reflection of yourself in a puddle and 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 it gets attached to your mind and you and you can't live without living with it you know and and for me i think i get really obsessed about small things things that i noticed and and things that just turn up out of the blue in your life Uh, you know like i just think that's i think it's beautiful celebrating these things that you just pass that you just ignore I think that that's what maybe art for me is about. It's about celebrating these things.
0: And I suppose a typical example of that was the the painting that you did of wine glasses and um, stacked up using different blues and things like that. And you basically transformed something that you see quite a lot in bars and things like that um, into something that stands off the page.
7: That was uh, that started from a drawing. I realised that I could draw a wine glass in like you know a matter of you know milliseconds. Like you know, and and I feel like. When you can draw something in a matter of milliseconds, why not draw it, you know? I think, I don't, I don't know how many wine glasses are in that. Um, I think it's like the equivalent of 15 bottles of wine in large glasses of wine. So I think it's 72 wine glasses or something. It started with a drawing. Um, and just because I grab what I can, I had these strange, um, you know, the pet, This is a pen that you get like a multi-pack of 12 of them and there'll be like different gel colors. So that painting was like some wine glasses. And then at, at first it was, you know, it changed a lot and changed a lot. And you can see when you look at the paintings that there's a lot gone underneath the the, the final works. The problem with that painting for me is that getting the the, the oil in the, to the right viscosity to be able to actually paint like you like the way in which you uh, use a pencil. It just makes the mark instantly, and it's the same mark every time. If, you know, depending on pressure with the wine glasses it's, it's trying to get the paint right you know, to, to, to move like a drawing you
0: know. I, I mean looking at your website I saw um, obviously that interesting film that you have um, on the introductory um, pages that shows you working furiously in your studio what happens in your studio do you work in fits and starts um, how does that work?
7: I'm, I'm a proper grafter, you know. I think that's my kind of, you know, being from the the Midlands. A lot of my friends are, are grafters, you know. I'm, when I get to the studio, I'm I'm in and I work and I work and I work, and it's you know I've, I found um, this quote by Philip Guston in a book that someone lent, lent me, and he said um, about how he, you know, he, he would paint and paint and paint and paint and paint until he was starving and tired and like you know thirsty and he was about to you know collapse and then he would start painting and for me that is what the painting is about it's about getting to that that place of of absolute um of kind of insanity you know and and then exercising that as hard as i can until i until i literally need to get the train home because i need to eat you know
0: um, you, you chose um, some images from pageantry for some of the the, the works that you've done. Uh, does that come from Cambridge, from looking at the gargoyles and the symbols and everything
7: else? Yeah, yeah. You know, as working working here on King's Parade at Primavera Gallery, um, I get to look at the King's College all the time, and that has sparked my interest in in these these symbols to the point where I actually went and bought myself a book called um, uh, Medieval Beasts, I think it's called, and it's just and it's an array of these. These these symbols that people have been drawing for forever, you know, and and they have so much significance to people. For me, they I didn't have a clue what any of them meant. I got to listen into a tour guide outside the front of my gallery once, you know, for free, <laughs> and um, you start to hear about what these you know these things mean. And I, I just think it's I think it's beautiful. And they're so they're made with such small um, amount of marks. There's no drama. It's just there's just no drama. It's just line lines, you know.
0: Um, as manager of Primavera gallery um, you and and being a working artist in Cambridge, you, you get to see the art scene um, from top to bottom. What do you think of what is actually happening in Cambridge at the moment obviously we 've just had the lockdown, but
7: uh, you know from the artists you've met um,
0: how, how are people what are people getting engaged with what are they getting concerned with?
7: I think um, Cambridge is actually one of the most uh, creative um, places I've lived in the sense of there's a lot of artists around um I do fear the the amount of because of the the natural wealth in Cambridge I do fear that um a lot of people are taking studio space that don't use it because they can afford it um and I feel like that breeds bad art you know it breeds the same art that gets made all the time and um I I don't agree with that I, I don't think there's much um if studio space is being taken then there's there's no um kind of church for, for for young creatives because you know because it's you need a place to make art and 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 I think that there's a lot of art galleries and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of craft art and there's a lot of people that want to buy it um, but then, when you have someone like me that makes these quite vicious paintings, you know, there's, there's not really much of a space for them, I don't think.
0: Um, th- th- there isn't. I mean, th- there's, there's long been a debate between the um, the privileged sector in Cambridge, which is generally represented by Kettle's Yard and the, the posh galleries, um, and the the more bohemian um, side of um, artwork in Cambridge that comes from visiting artists and from the Mill Road area and from various collectives and what have you. Do you, see, um, do you see those as, as somehow uneasy with each other, the privileged sector and, and, the, and the more kind of bohemian street sector of the
7: art? I think that there's like, um, I think a lot of people that, you know, are, are in the same boat as me, as like a working class artist. I feel as though we just think that privileged sector of art is just naff. It's just like, it's just not enjoyable. It's, it's not, it's not what, what, um, it's not necessarily spreading the right message of what art possibly can spread. And I think when the the kind of this kind of outside sh- street art, if you want to call it that, what's beautiful about that is that it doesn't, it, it doesn't scare anybody off. Someone can just, this is why people will tell you that they don't like art but they like Banksy because they can walk past a piece of graffiti and not, and just acknowledge it and walk off. And you don't need any instructions as to how to view it. You don't need anything. You just either love it or you don't, and or you just you just don't care about it. But that's what art is. That's why music's such a beautiful art form.
0: Yeah, um, because you see, you have the you have the, the the vibrant art scene that has existed in Cambridge, really. Um, as a thing since about 2011 or so wow, okay. um, people doing public artworks um, people um, prote- uh, uh, doing things in the street and, and, and basically setting up things to entertain the public and then you have the money making art and, and that side of it but you also do something else that's interesting which is that you're, um, you're involved with skateboarding as a kind of arts um, movement as well, what, what's that about?
7: Um, skateboarding is one why I am an artist you know being at the skate park as a kid I've always been a skate park kid um, you 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 start to see loads of raw forms of art around you and it's it's one of the fur I think that it's probably the best form of street art I guess um, you know skating because it, it, it enables you to dance you know as if you're in a in a disco um, but with a whole squad of people that are always bouncing off of each other and, and uh, are, you know, appreciating what, what each other's do. And the best thing about skateboarding in relation to art is about failure and success. You know, with skateboarding, you, even you, you think about an ollie, you're trying to ollie over something, a, a block out of a kicker. Um, you fail and you fail and fail and fail and fail, non-stop. And the time that you do succeed is like when you jump into the sea, off of a cliff and you are submerged in the beauty of, of, of the under you know the under the, the, the water um, and that you know to, to it's quite rare that people in their life get to experience failure so much um, for you know they skaters want to fail you know there's, there's a beauty in it there's, a, there's an incredible uh, well,
0: uh, pe- people are taking up um, green transport skating um, you, uh, electric unicycles, electric skateboards um, ordinary skateboards uh, scooters uh, rollerboards, hoverboards and they are using the streets of Cambridge now um, to really enjoy, enjoy that, but the other thing about that is there's an interesting um, thing about using the bottom of the
7: skateboard for artwork that kind of artwork, does that interest you at all? It's really difficult to, um, to that's a quite a difficult question, it's kind of like um you know does does a is a tattoo artist necessarily interested in having tattoos on their own body you know the skateboard is is, is an extension of, of you when you're a skateboarder and um i believe that i do like the idea of having work on the bottom of skateboards but like i'm i'm too busy <laughs> you know it's kind of it's not necessarily something that i'll leave it to the illustrators you know i'll let them do it i'll, I'll let them do it. i you know i paint i I paint with a very free arm and a, and a skateboard is a very small thing. So,
0: It sounds so you enjoy being Cambridge, in Cambridge and you have um, a very
7: interesting job.
0: What, why are you planning to leave the city?
7: Just because um, I don't really... Um, my, my girlfriend is going to go and do a Masters in, in Margate. Um, she's an artist as well, an incredible artist. Um, you should check her out, Esme Bone. Um, sh- there's not really any kind of... I wouldn't say in Cambridge there is a, a good university where you can go and study a master's in the arts. You know, I don't think, and especially not specifically in, in certain mediums. Um, there's a lot of art history here, isn't there? You know, that's what I found when you speak to people; they study art history, um, which isn't really of much. I'm, I'm not interested in that at all. And also, I just like moving around. You know, I think, I think that we you know, the blood moves around our body; we are made to move around, and, and I like the idea of experiencing a new place. Um, so I'm just going with it, you know. <laughs> just going with it. But I will miss Cambridge. I'll miss the. I'll miss the skate scene more than anything. You know that I've been welcomed here with such open arms. Um, and this community needs development. You know, we need more space for skateboarders. We, we, we have a massive movement called Cam Skate. Um, we're trying to get the uh, what we call Donkey Common, the skate park near the swimming pool. You know, we're trying to get that sorted out. I think we've got. You know, there's a lot of backing from. Uh, there's a lot of money in Cambridge that needs spent in the right places, and I think that the skate scene is a great place to do it.
0: Uh, where, when can people see your next exhibition of artwork?
7: Oh, I'm not sure, really. You know, I've, I find it quite difficult to go and approach all these galleries all the time. You know, I, I like the idea of selling my work through you know the through social media because it, you can kind of have like you know you can have your own kind of authority over your, your social media space, and you can sell to who you want to sell to. Um, you know, if, if, if anybody in Cambridge is putting on a show, I've always got paintings, so hit me up, you know, I'm, 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 I'm here, I've got work, um, and who knows, maybe I'll have some work in Margate somewhere, you know. But I much prefer the idea of my work being seen by friends of friends because the friends bought a painting and then they get to share it with their, you know, their circle of life. You know?
0: Joe jo Fannick Wilson, thank you very much indeed for talking to Cambridge Arts Roundup. Thank you so much for having me, yeah, it's great, wow. This month's Cambridge Museums have been brimming with families taking advantage of both online and in-person family events, museums and collections as part of a bumper summer programme. They've been making dinosaur feet, going on scavenger hunts and even exploring the art of mosaics. Families could also go on twilight bat patrols, learn how to identify fossils, discover what it's like to be a Civil War soldier and take part in activities inspired by the senses. Encompassing a broad range of collections, including science, art, archaeology, geology and local history, the summer with the museum's programme caters for a wide range of interests. And it won't have escaped your notice this summer that the Grand Arcade has been going large recently with moving giant dinosaurs, including a howling, gnashing Tyrannosaurus that put the wind up a few people as it sprang to life occasionally. The installations have taken the city's public artworks up a gear in terms of boldness, which seems to be the flavour of this summer. And if that wasn't enough, and you just want to cool off and get some inspiration, try taking a ride on the new Ferris wheel on Parker's piece and take in the marvels of Cambridge architecture from high up with a glass of champagne. It's a great way to do something civilised.
3: Arts Roundup with Simon Burton on Cambridge 105 Radio.
0: I'm Simon Burton and that brings us to the end of Cambridge Arts Roundup. I hope you've enjoyed the hour and will listen in to Cambridge 105 Radio for the next edition.